0: Welcome to City Talk, a podcast from City View Church in Northern Virginia. We are a church family that God is building to make disciples of Jesus Christ in the heart of Loudoun County and all around the world. Our words, what we say to others as well as what we say about them, are like nuclear energy. They're powerful and have potential for great good or terrible destruction. How we speak to and about one another is an indicator of how we're doing as a church. Let's look at what Jesus' brother James had to say about this in chapter 3 of his book. Now, I want you to imagine this transcript from a ship's communication. Voice number one. Please, divert your course 15 degrees to the north to avoid a collision. Voice number two, we recommend that you change your course 15 degrees to the south to avoid a collision. Voice number one, this is the captain of a U.S. Navy ship. We are a large vessel, and I say divert your course again. Voice number two, no, I say, you divert your course. Voice number one, we are an aircraft carrier, a very large warship. Divert your course now. Voice number two, we're the lighthouse. It's your call. (laughs) The USS Eisenhower is one of the largest ships in the U.S. Navy. It is Roughly 1,100 feet long. That's over 1,000 feet long. It weighs 91,000 tons. Carries 100 aircraft. Has a crew of 6,100. When you think about it, that's an entire town. That's over 6,000 people that are its crew. Yet it is powered, it is controlled by a twin rudder that is just 0.1% of its weight. If the person operating the helm is doing a good job, this massive warship is going to be just fine. But if the person at the helm is not doing well with it, it'll be a disaster, and you run into lighthouses. Something very small controls the trajectory of something very, very big. In the same way, the human tongue is 0.1% of our body weight. Yet the words that we say can shape the direction of our lives. Words matter. They're very important. Now, we're in the book of James. It's towards the end of your Bible. It's just five chapters long. It's a short short book. And James is really all about practical faith, how to live it out. But even beyond that, it's about living out our faith in relationships, in community, in a group like this. How do we say we're Christians and then live it out amongst one another? James has a lot to say about that. And one of the themes he comes back to multiple times is the words we say. And it uses a figurative language of our tongue. The words that we say drive the trajectory of our lives as individuals, and it can also shape the culture of any group that you're in. Words matter. So chapter 3 starts out like this. Last week we were kind of doing some uh, higher level spiritual jujitsu, jitsu as we talked about some big spiritual terms, but they're very important to understanding what James has to say. And so now he's going to get a little bit more right in there, practical, and he's saying words matter. Chapter three starts off like this. Not many of you should become teachers, my brothers, for you know that we who teach will be judged with greater strictness. All right, I resign <laughs> For we all stumble in many ways, And if anyone does not stumble in what he says, he is a perfect man, able also to bridle his whole body. A couple things I want you to pull out of this here. When he says, I don't want many of you to be teachers, back in the day, one of the highest ranks you could get in society would be to be a teacher or a rabbi. Because that also meant that you had followers and it kind of put you up on the social totem pole. Earlier in chapter 2, two weeks ago, we talked about not showing favoritism in the church and not looking at people through, oh, whoa, they look rich. Oh, they've got their act together. Wow, we're going to minister. it. If I can get in with them, then that's good. But these folks over here, uh, no, not so much. We're not supposed to do that. And so he's kind of holding that, taking the thread of that thought to say, hey, don't try to get this position so that you have rank and prestige so you'll get shown favor treatment in the church. Words matter, though, because when a teacher speaks, that can shape what a group says and what a group does. And so, uh, he says, be careful, guys. Don't try to just take something that'll give you a high-ranking position. The word that's used for perfect, in there where it says it, um, in verse 2, that if anyone uh, can control their tongue, they're perfect. That's the same word that's used back at the beginning of chapter 1, where it says that God uses trials and hard times to perfect us. It doesn't necessarily mean that they make us perfect as in we've got no flaws, but it has a work of maturing us and completing us. So God is saying, if you can control your tongue, if you can use your words well, then you are a very mature person. You're doing well in life. But we all know that's not easy. We all know That you can be doing great all day and then something comes up and you let something fly out of your mouth. And I'm not just talking swear words. I'm talking you might say something which hurts someone deeply. You might say something that makes others feel awful or you might say something which puts you in a really bad light. So you can be doing great most of the time and then you let some words fly and all that can be undone. It goes on in verse 3 and it says this. If we put bits into the mouths of horses so that they obey us, we guide their whole bodies as well. Look at the ships also. They are so large and are driven by strong winds, they're guided by a very small rudder, wherever the will of the pilot directs it. So also, the tongue is a small member, yet it boasts of great things. Words are really powerful. Words are like atomic energy. The power of an of, of the atom can be used for great good. It can also be used for horrific destruction. So words are really powerful. Don't lose that. Words matter. The Bible also says in Proverbs chapter 18 it says that death and life are in the power of the tongue. That's huge. I would encourage you at any time, read through the book of Proverbs. Proverbs are pithy life sayings. And the kind of the spirit of Proverbs is in right in the middle of your Bible, 31 chapters, and there's usually 31 days in a month, and so it's a great thing to read a chapter of a day for practical wisdom. And you'll be surprised at how often it mentions the words we say, or our tongue. But right here it's saying, what you say Holds the keys to life and death. Words really matter. They are really powerful. Picking up in verse 5 of James chapter 3, it says this, How great a forest is set ablaze by such a small fire. And the tongue is a fire, a world of unrighteousness. The tongue is set among our members, staining the whole body, setting on fire the entire course of life, and set on fire by hell. That's pretty serious. You know, it didn't seem like that long ago, I think it was just a few months ago, there was the forest fires in Canada. And Canada's a long way away from you, if you've ever driven up that way. But these fires in Canada affected our atmosphere. They affected the weather right here in Virginia and in, throughout our country. And then when you see satellite images of the fire and you would see how much land they were covering. It was shocking. But then, those fires just got started by sparks that went out of control. They were started, one of them was confirmed, was started by a campfire. Small little fire. Oh, we're just going to the woods, we're just going to roast hot dogs, that's it. Little did they realize that a couple weeks later they're going to affect the weather hundreds of miles away. Huge impact. Words are really powerful. And so James uses three images right here. He uses, you know, you take this tiny little bridle and you can control a horse with it. Now I've gone horse riding once in my life and I question if that really works. It was kind of a terrifying experience for me. I'm very happy to still be alive and standing in front of you. You can control a horse, they say, with a bridle. An aircraft carrier can be controlled by a rudder that's 0.1% of its weight. And then he says, a fire when it gets out of control. You know, in the ancient world, in the context that they were writing in, they didn't have fire departments. And in the cities, you had a lot of small buildings all close together. And fire could wipe out an entire city like that. So he says, guys, I want your attention here. Do you realize how powerful your words are? You may not think much about what you say, but they can have a huge impact for good or for evil. The trouble is, he says this at the end of verse 6, and they're set on fire by hell, which is saying that the forces of hell, forces of evil would love to have some say on what we say. Because the forces of evil know how powerful words are. And they will take our words, and they would love to sow dissension among a group. They would love to use us to discourage other people. Words are powerful. The devil's mission is to steal, kill, and destroy the beauty that God intended us to enjoy. The devil is out there to kill, steal, and destroy And one of his weapons of choice is our words. So words really matter. Careers have been ruined, marriages destroyed, and friendships disintegrated by words. The things that people say. It's no wonder that the Bible says things like this about what we say. In Proverbs 10, It says, when words are many, sin is not absent. And that's something for any extrovert to think about. When words are many, sin is not absent. And then in Ecclesiastes, Be not rash with your mouth, nor let your heart be hasty to utter a word before God. For God is in heaven, and you are on earth. Therefore, let your words be be few. Sometimes it just seems like the more we speak. You've ever been in a situation where you go, oh, I shouldn't have said that. And then you try to talk your way around it and you just dig a deeper hole and you dig deeper and deeper with more that you say. We need to think about what we say. We don't want our words to come directly from our heart. We need to think about what we say. And there's wisdom to thinking about what we say when we say it, and how we say it. In verse 7, it picks up. It says, For every kind of beast and bird or reptile and sea creature can be tamed and has been tamed by mankind. But no human being can tame the tongue. It's a restless evil full of deadly poison. Didn't get much worse than that. How bad can it be when the Bible itself says, Your tongue, the words you say, is a restless evil. It's full of poison. And the reason for that is that our tongue is connected to our heart. Our tongue is connected to our heart because our tongue just regurgitates what's in our heart. Jesus said, the evil person, out of the evil in their heart, says evil things. Yet a good person, out of the goodness that's in their heart, says good things. So the key to the tongue, the key to speaking well, is to have a heart that's in the right place. But the challenge for all of us is that the Bible says the human heart naturally inclines away from God. In the prophet Jeremiah, verse 17, it says, the heart is deceitful above all things, and desperately sick. Who can understand it? The human heart, left to its own devices, will naturally turn away from God. The human heart, if left to its own devices, will see, how can I use my words to my advantage, regardless of other people around me? And the message of James is, are you guys aware of the power that you have? Are you aware of the power that you have to destroy people, to crumble institutions? But there's hope. You see, we can't control our hearts by ourselves. The human heart, left to its own inclinations, will always veer away from God. But when God says, I have a hold of your heart, I want to do something in you and through you, That's when there's hope. When God shapes our heart, when we naturally start saying the things that God puts in our heart, then our tongue can be a force for great good. We can encourage people. We can tell people. We can introduce people to Jesus Christ. God wants us to have our tongue submitted to him, which means that our hearts have to be submitted to him. Listen to what the rest of this passage says, picking up in verse 9. Words are powerful, and words can empower. He's saying we can bless God, and we can bless people. But you got to make the choice to do that. It is so easy to cut someone down. It's so easy to say something cutting. Maybe they do something you don't like, or there's something about them that annoys you, and you just want to zing them. Chances are, the habit that they have, they may not be aware of. Or they could be very aware of it, and they're working on it, and then... You say something that just cuts them down, that hurts. Words are powerful. At the same time, though, we can choose to use words to build up and encourage one another. I coach youth sports, and I can tell you I have yet to see a successful coach who wins championships by putting, crushing his team into the ground and telling them all the wrong things they do and how they got it wrong. A good coach will encourage his team. A good coach will point out the good things that they're doing. Because when you do that, you will then have players who are willing to listen when you correct the mistakes that they're doing. But when you have players who are trying and they're doing like 8 out of 10 things right, and all you do is harp on the two things they're messing up on, you're going to have a team that's going nowhere. Encouragement is really important. We want to be known as a church that build up one another, that encourage one another. We can get beaten up in the world. You can get beaten up on social media. This ought to be the place that you can come to where you know you're going to be encouraged and built up. And the best way we can do that is our words. We encourage one another. It's really important. Scripture says that the mouth of the righteous is a fountain of life. And we want to be life-giving people like that. The mouth of the righteous is a fountain of life. We want to be a place where people are encouraged. We want to be a place where no one speaks ill of another person behind their back. We want to be a kind of place where our words are used for good and to build up. As I said earlier, words can ruin careers, destroy marriages, and disintegrate friendships. they don't have to. Words can also advance a career, build a marriage, and strengthen friendships. Words can inflict horrible damage, or they can be life-giving. It's up to us, the speakers, what those words become. God says, don't be, don't be one way with one group of people, different way with another group of people. Be consistent. Have hearts that are fully sold out to me. And then you won't have to worry about the words that you say. Because if your heart is inclined to say, Lord, I am yours. As we sung earlier today, Lord, you hung on the cross for me. Lord, you rose for me. Lord, you, still, you live in me. When that grips our heart, then it will only be natural that good things come out of our mouths. But if we go through the day disconnected from God, not really appreciating all he's done, well, then the results are bad. So I'd say this. The words that we use are incredibly powerful. They're like atomic energy. Words can destroy stuff. Our words can provide life and power to thousands. The choice is ours. So let's tie this together with a few thoughts. First of all, your words reflect your heart. Your words are a reflection of your heart. Proverbs chapter 4, verse 23 says this, Guard your heart above all else, for it determines the course of your life. Guard your heart. Be careful about what you let into your heart. Be careful what you allow to roll around in your heart. Because what is on your heart will come out of your mouth. And so, legalism says, I'm going to think about what I speak on. But the way of grace says, Lord, I'm yours. Lord, I want to be connected with you. And when we have that attitude, the natural overflow will be life-giving words to those around us. So words reflect your heart. One author said this, bad things don't produce good things. And so a person who is not right with God and walking daily in his presence cannot consistently speak pure and helpful words. So it boils down to this. For us to have words that have great good, we just need to be walking with God. A mark of, second thing is, a mark of Christian maturity is what we do with our words. A mark of Christian maturity is what we do with our words. And that's in James chapter 1, and it's also right here in chapter 3. So for all of us to think about, the things that we say really reflect the condition of our heart. Does my language need cleaning up? Have I gotten sloppy with what I let out of my mouth? Do I kind of enjoy speaking about other people when they're not around? Because when they're not around to defend themselves, I can say some really rotten things about them. Do I love pointing out other people's flaws and mistakes when they're not around? Mature Christian doesn't do that. Are you known as an encourager? Can you come alongside someone and just with a way of words, and I'm not talking about cheesy little you know, teamwork sayings, I'm talking about, will you encourage those that you're around? Or are you the kind of person that when, you're, when they're around you, they walk away feeling more discouraged? A mature Christian is going to point people to Christ and that is ultimately going to encourage. A mature Christian is, will use discretion in what they say and who they say it with. And then lastly, I'd say this. In Psalm 19, verse 14, it says this. Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight. O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. What's interesting about this, and I won't read the whole psalm now, but I'd encourage you to read Psalm 19. Psalm 19 starts off with the splendor of creation and just having a sense of awe for how great God is. And then the response that the psalmist has to looking at creation and seeing how great God is, is, O oh Lord, may the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart Be acceptable in your sight we don't look at nature enough and just say the creator is awesome there's something about just looking at the splendor of creation and getting things put in perspective it's been said that the ancients in the evenings would look out at the stars today We look at screens. We need to recapture a vision of how great God is. Have a vision for him in his awesome splendor. And he said, look at the world around you. And when we do that, that should drive us to our knees and say, Lord, let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight. O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. Words matter. We need to use the words well. Words matter so much to God that he gave the word to end all words. When he introduces the account of Jesus, he says the word became flesh and dwelt among us. God saved the very, very best word to give us as a gift, and is Jesus. The word became flesh and dwelt among us. And here's why this matters so much. God loves us as people, and he says, I want to have a good relationship with you. But the trouble is, we have sin in our hearts. We kind of have a natural inclination to bend away from him. But God says, world, I love you so much that I'll give you a savior. And he sent us the word, Jesus. Jesus lived a perfect life, the life that you and I can never do. And he says, I'll do what needs to be done so that you can be made right with God. And Jesus went to the cross and died in our place there to pay a penalty for our sin that we could never pay by giving money to the poor, by going to church or doing whatever good deed. Jesus died in our place, and he says, I want you to believe that when I died, I was on the cross and your sin are forgiven. But that's not the end of the story, because on the third day, he rose from the dead. And Jesus rose from the dead to prove that he's who he said he was, and to offer life to us. And part of that life of walking with Jesus is learning to think, act, and speak like him. And when we have hearts in tune with him, we won't have to worry about the words because they will naturally overflow. So let's be known as a church family that has a culture of building one another up because words matter. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we come to you, and we thank you that you have spoken the final word in Jesus' Lord, I pray that if there's anyone here who doesn't yet know Jesus as Savior, that today would be the day of salvation. That today would be the day they say, Lord, I believe Jesus died in my place and rose again. I repent of my sin and I'm turning towards him and I'm trusting in him for salvation. Lord, for all of us as a church family, I pray that we would be a people whose words are empowering, whose words are life-giving. And I ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.